Welcome back to JV to the Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with episode 11 and my partner, Corey Ramsey. Corey! Hello out there. <laughs> How's it going? I'm here with Paco, last man standing. How you doing there? Thank you very much for interjecting, Jack. You're stealing all my thunder every time I say something. You are the genius. Thank you. All right. And Robin with a Y. producer extraordinaire. If I get any more messages wanting to know what Robin looks like, I'm like you're just gonna have to figure it out. You know what? We should take a like do it like sell lottery tickets or something. Like <laughs> there you go. That's how we're gonna generate profit. I mean, people exactly. have you. People have you like everything from Lonnie Anderson to Connie Selleck. Uh, you know, it's like, a, what does she look like? Five dollars a vote for <laughs> Christmas comes early. Pictured right here. So what do we got going on tonight, you guys? Okay, well, I'm actually usually um, kind of tossing it over to Corey for the, to start this up, but I have a, a story that kind of really bothered me a lot, and I, I asked Corey if I could go and start off tonight, and it's a story out of San Diego High School, and it's a story about a special ed teacher who was having an affair with a 15-year-old student. Apparently, the affair started when she was 14, and um, the parents have you know, started legal action against mm-hmm. the school. Give the name he, for this dirtbag. Okay, his name yeah. is Juan Carlos Herrera. All right. He's 49 years old and had threatened this girl to cut off her arms and legs if she had told anybody oh what was going on between God. them. Oh, my God. Yeah. So and, you um, got statutory so this, rape, conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, threatening. It's just, and, and the other thing is he was checking her out of school in the middle of the day to have this affair. And, and yeah, the front office, nobody questioned why a teacher was taking a student out of school for a couple hours and then bringing the student back. And there was no reason. She's not a special ed student. That was going to be my question. No, oh she's not gosh. a special ed student. She's not even one of his pupils. She, he was having this affair with this. And now she's an adult. And yes, of course, legal action. But But I don't understand. I don't understand how nobody scratched their head wondering why. This teacher is taking a student with him out of the school. Now, he's already been convicted on the first round of, of um, sexual assault, and he's, fa- he's uh, serving 10 years. Now comes the second round where he's being hit with other, um, other charges. But um, when, you, when you see the guy, I mean, I don't know, maybe because he's been in jail for a little bit, but he looks like if you went to Central Casting and you, and you wanted, like, hey, give me a dirt bag. He looks like <laughs> like like the, that would be the, the file, like the dirt bag sure. file at Central Casting. Sure. So, yeah. uh, what I it sounds I like, Jack. Why. So, what it sounds like, Jack, that there are two different things going on here, or one of two situations going on with the school. So, either the school was negligent, or they just didn't, or they just didn't care. Well, that is negligent. I think it's out of sight. Out I of think mind that, that I think that goes hand in hand. I think if they didn't care, that is negligence. But either way. Either way, I think that the school district needs to step in, remove the principal, remove the assistant principal, and whatever else you need to do there. All right, here's the irony. The baseball team that I play for, we sometimes use the baseball field at San Diego High School. Okay. Now, this is a very good baseball field. It's a professional quality, professional dimension baseball field. And when we play on that field, they go over that field with a fine-tooth comb to make sure we haven't damaged or left any divots or any holes. And we okay. make they make sure we've raked it and dragged the field and everything is back to... They seem more concerned about their baseball field than their students. Like, you got students walking out of the office with a teacher and there's no explanation as to why. There's no connection between the two of them unless it's a dirty connection. That's terrible. So That's- that's School cool. districts tend to avoid litigation whenever possible. But this okay. creates litigation. Right. So this is now they're going to pay for it. Right. But you avoiding litigation. Where where are you avoiding litigation when somebody should stand up and say, well, why, Mr. Herrera, so why are you taking... Here's the question that I have, and I don't know this. Jack, maybe you can answer this before we jump the gun here. Did this um, guy have to sign the student out? Absolutely. Could he just so? Is there a log? Yes. Of that? Yes. As they a, have that. Yes. Have it was on the news yeah. that he repeatedly signed her out of school in the middle of the day, without the parents' permission or knowledge. And the and the other thing is, one of her girlfriends wrote an email to the vice principal and said, "I think something bad is going on with this teacher." Oh my! And God. the vice principal not only. Never did anything, but never even replied. Okay. 
fire the principal, fire the vice principal, just like Corey was saying before. That's terrible. And this is San Diego High School. On San Park Diego Boulevard, High School. And this is, the, this is the one right on the, Park yeah. by, the, by, the, by the zoo. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this is the second teacher at San Diego High School in a very short period of time. Now, I know recently... There was, uh, what was the school in, uh, was it Buena Vista down in South Bay? Yes. That had like three or four teachers that were having affairs with students. And the students were like under sub-16. Mm-hmm. And they found, they arrested like three of them. And the other one uh, owned recognizance. But everybody got arrested. And everyone seemed to know what was going on. And nobody did anything. So I want to go back quickly to the girl. So the girl is not suffering from any sort of mental deficiencies absolutely is in counseling she's waking up with with horrors because he had threatened to cut off her arms and legs had she said anything anything and so she was living in fear and then she got to a point where she realized this is going to eat her up and kill her and she decided to come forward and say something and and even at the risk of being killed she was willing to do that. That's how traumatized she was. She was in complete fear of this man, and and this is a this is a pretty good sized guy. I saw him in the, in the uh, holding area in the courtroom on the news. He's a he's a large person. So I'm gonna tread on what could be considered some dangerous ground here, and I'm going to throw this out there. The parents didn't notice anything when the daughter was coming home regularly, probably distressed. The parents didn't detect that from their child? The mother said that she thought something was wrong and she thought it had something to do, maybe a boyfriend at school or or some sort of issue with like other girlfriends. She never imagined she was being sexually molested. In 2019, you never imagined that. Well, right. she didn't. That would be one it. of the first things that would come to my mind. She I didn't imagine it, but but she did not. She did not put that together, and nobody came to her and said, "Hey, I think something's going on with this teacher." But the one friend did contact Jeez. the school and wrote an email and never heard back. And she still had the email. She submitted the email to their attorney and said, "Look, no response, no reply. They just ditched it." And that's inexcusable. That's that's uh, that's unforgivable behavior. So the girl didn't confide in anybody about it. None of her friends. She was or in such there. fear. She oh said. She said he had threatened to cut off her arms and legs if she had said anything. Sure, and it's terrifying. And you have a you know a large authority figure and probably someone that you respect because he's a teacher, mm-hmm. and so a lot of students respect their teachers. So you have all of that going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but I'm still. I'm sorry. I'm still going to look at the parents a little bit or a parent. Was there only one? I, I'm getting the feeling two? mom is a single parent, but I'm not positive okay. about that. But you know what? I, I understand where you're coming from, but it is not, the onus is not on her. It is on the dirt bag that took advantage of the situation. I think that's easy to say, and I agree. I agree with you 100%, and that's certainly easy to say because he is responsible for it. But I do think there are times that we have to look at our parents and say, you know, you've got to ask questions to our, our kids. Yeah, and parents these days have to be aware of what's going on right. with their kids' social media. Do. They have to be aware of what's mm-hmm. going on. They have to go through their phones. They have to know what's happening. You know, I mean, they, they just need to understand what's going on in their heads and what, what kind of kind of information is mm-hmm. bombarding them. Because kids are taking in information at a rate that's unbelievable compared to when we were kids. Right. Yeah, see, I blame you know? the adults in all of this. I don't blame the youth at all. Zero percent. So what I'm I'm saying is I'm looking at the parents and I'm looking at the teacher, uh, of course, and, you know, everybody else at that school, all the other teachers, all the other faculty, what were you doing? Like you were looking at this. So if it happened once, all right, so maybe it's some sort of field trip. Maybe it's twice. Okay, maybe some sort of study session. Field trip of one. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know what? Like, my mind can absolutely go there, having worked in schools myself. All right, so maybe that happens. Now, three times? All right. I'm going to want to talk to the guy. I'm going to want to talk to my coworker and say, hey, man, what are you doing? Right. How what many going times on was here? it? Do they well, know? it was over a two-year span. See, how many, so two years. Two years. So how, I got to figure, you know. It, it's, it, I, I'm going to estimate times, 40 times or 50 a year? times. Yeah. I got to right. figure it's got to be 20 or 25 times a year. I got to figure it's something along those lines. But he was clearly absolutely taking advantage of of his position with her and and his threatening of her. And he was texting her. He was texting her. Oh, they got they got loads oh, of texts between them. Loads of texts between so that, them. So that meant that he was really bold. So somehow he <laughs> thought 
that he could just get away with that. Now, here's what I think. I think this isn't the first time this guy's done this. Probably I think not. I think he became more daring as he's gotten away. I think there's other victims. This is exactly. where we need Dexter. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> where I was going with this. That sounds exactly it's, like the Boston Archdiocese scandal years ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this just, is endemic to the system. So, yeah, no, no, no. I'm listening to no, you. I, no. I, I, so, so I I do think there are other victims, and I think it's just a matter of of them getting the guts to come forward. We'll and I think that he has chosen certain prey from year to year, and then just kind of when they became seniors, you know, realized you know that they're going to be adults, and he'll find somebody else who's a freshman and, and groom them, yeah. because that's what they call it. They call it grooming. They're sure. grooming grooming these kids, and then by by their second year in high school, they're they're sitting there saying, okay, you know what? They're like zombies. Yeah. Now now you, you got them right under their their, their spell. Like, Is he like, married? Uh, Herrera? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd be curious to know if he's married with children or anything like that. I, I, I suspect there's a family because he was doing this in the day, but the um, friend that was uh, sending the email claimed that he was contacting her in the evening. Now, oh, the girl. Okay, the girl contacting the girl in the evening, and I'm thinking, okay, if he's contacting her in the evening, you know, either he's doing it when he's supposed to be out shopping or doing something else, or he's just being bold. He's just a total dirtbag. Oh yeah, and and you know what? I mean, I know that the sheriff's department and they're supposed to protect everybody, and but there is there is a, a, a standard in prison where certain crimes are okay, and they understand you know car theft, they understand murder, they don't understand doing anything to children or elderly, mm-hmm. and, and you know people that do things to, the, to children or elderly are absolutely on this like horrible list mm-hmm. in prison now if you're on the on the the sh list in prison <laughs> i mean i mean you know your dance card is going to be filled in a bad way so i i think i mean this guy is facing 10 years plus whatever he gets sentenced because they're going to add time with the with the new charges well if you want to trust the system because he'll he'll get out at some point and he'll go through therapy and he'll, he'll probably do it again. You know, he'll know he'll be a sex offender and everything. But meanwhile, we have this girl and probably scores of others mm-hmm. that are damaged beyond almost beyond repair with this. I right. mean, this and is something that she's going to carry mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. And he's been oh. a teacher for decades. And the trust issues that she's going to have are just, just off off the charts. Terrible. Oh, my goodness. Parents. Yeah. A normal so, life is not in her future. Right. I know we have to move on here. Yeah, Parents, yeah, but, but, yeah. please, please pay attention to your children. Yeah. Go into their phone, regardless of what they say, because here's my thing when it comes to all this stuff with the child in their home. Unless he or she is paying rent, they don't get a say. They don't get a vote. They get an opinion. Right. And and to parents, to parents everywhere, I mean, you are not their friend. You exactly. are their protector. Right. You have a job to do, and when they get older, they'll understand that hardcore job you had to do to protect above, them. Above all else, it's about safety and being a protector. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, right. so we'll let's leave move it. On. I'll let you take it from here, Corey. We'll leave it there. Yeah. So, I want to talk about something, of course, that's a bit, a little bit near and dear to me, and that's that shooting in Which Florida, one? <laughs> in Pensacola, the Pensacola shooting on the on the naval base. Mm. Crazy, huh? Right on the on the tail of the uh, Hawaii, one Honolulu, yeah, yeah. yeah right. There was one on December sixth, yeah, yes, yeah, in Pearl Harbor, almost on the anniversary, yeah. But um, but yeah, this this thing, you know, now I know you gathered a lot of information. Well, on this, uh, you know, just looking at it overall, you know, there was a time, and I used to say this over the years, that the safest place to be was a military base. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really believe that. You know, all my time in the Middle East, all my time other places, and then I would get back on base. Despite all the craziness, I knew that things were safe there. And now it seems like that's the not pendulum the case. is swinging the other that's way. That's not the case anymore. No. It's not. You can make the case. It hasn't been like that since the Fort Hood shooting back in 2010 with yes. uh, Dal Hassan. Yes. Agreed. Oh, that's but, true. Yeah, the Fort Hood. I, gosh, I forgot all about no, that. Fort no, Hood. that Fort Hood shooting was enormous. Yeah. A homegrown man who never spent a day in the Middle East, and he was completely radicalized online, and then he opens fire on base. This guy is from Saudi Arabia. Now, even though on paper they have been our allies for quite some time, especially on the war on terror, but if you really look into it, there's a deeper connection, if not more sinister. Would you agree? Well, it's been proven now that the shooter has ties to the Saudi prince. 
Oh boy. And as of right now, as of right now, as of right now, all training for Saudis have been uh, restricted. Only restricted to classrooms. So there's no field work for them. No weapons training, no aviation training, nothing like that. Hmm. So and that's and that's nationwide. So that's Saudi natives. Yes. yes, these so are that, foreign nationals. So that will affect right. that okay. will affect so. uh, about eight hundred. Is that it? Because I thought that I read somewhere, unless it's all of them, but twenty thousand so, people are in this country how uh, from worked. other countries that are learning from our military. Now uh, they might be doing operations, but I, the total, the number that I have is eight hundred. Uh-huh. So uh, to just to specify, uh, Robin, your question is okay. So yes. We do have cross-training with other militaries. So, for example, my brother was in OCS training. They had a Royal Marine color sergeant doing instruction. Now, with Saudi Arabia, they have about, of these, uh, what was the number you gave me, 20,000? 20,000. So, 800 of them happen to be Saudis. And they do vet these guys, but clearly they're not doing enough vetting. Because it turns out, when they did their dirt on this guy... They dug up that he had a very some extreme anti-American views. Was he born here? Or is he just no, no, no. Family? He's a foreign he's a, national. He's actually he's born national. in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Okay. yes. And the fact that he has a gun on base, you know, that's like the first thing. Like that, that's the first red flag. Foreign nationals cannot carry weapons. So, period. And I find it, I like the Fort Hood thing. We okay, were just so talking wait, about. Wait, hold on. Let me go back to that. So, uh, is that your personal opinion that foreign nationals shouldn't have uh, weapons? It's it's law actually. Foreign, you can't you can't be a foreign national. You can't own a gun. Period. Oh, but on in the military, you carry a gun. Yes. In the military, you can. Okay, so that's what I'm referring yeah. to. Yeah, so the, the guy with Fort Hood, he became r- radicalized yeah. via the internet. Now, I find that somewhat fascinating because it's almost like hypnosis or, or like, remember how the guy used to swing the watch and, yes. and, yeah, and then he'd get somebody to do all sorts of things, act like a chicken and stuff. I'm like, how are they doing this online? And getting people to become radicalized. I mean, this is how the kid that shot at the um, at the um, the church shooting the, at in, the char- in, in the Poway. Well, see, here's the thing, people, that I think that we're um, we're saying we're saying that someone becomes radicalized. Most of the time, you are already that way to begin with, and that if you trace someone's history, they already have it in them in the first place. But well, wait a second, the kid that shot at the at the, um, at the temple in Poway. He comes from a family very upper middle class, of I mean, five five know, brothers and sisters. I, I mean, this kid from. had no no framework to. I mean, all of his brothers no, and sisters. Not in are, his family, but maybe in his friends and his like. See, side that's dealings. where again, yes. and that's parents need to keep an eye on. Parents need to keep an eye on. It's in their and their environment. So right. when they're, you said it yourself. Upper middle class, most likely WASP, correct? Correct. So there you have it. So they already have probably some anti-Semitic views. So that's a gross generalization, though, to say because they're WASPs, they have anti-Semitic views. I okay. think that's terrible. To I'm say sorry, that. Robin. What I meant to say was upper middle class. I, I'm so glad Robin said that because I'm sitting there as a New Yorker thinking, boy, that's the way people look at Italian New Yorkers and they think that because any wasp must have like anti-Semitic. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had friends of all cultures. And I was so glad somebody else said something because no, I didn't want to have to defend myself. Spinning it, <laughs> spinning it back here to this. So already have that in you. So when we say about, oh, they're becoming radicalized, they're almost already there. But are you saying, you're saying it's, it's, it's nurture primarily. It's not nature. Yes. It's definitely nurtured because it's I mean, nurtured, but it, uh, but what I'm saying is that it's already there. And I'll use the example of people that you know that go to war and they suffer from PTSD. Right. A lot of soldiers that go overseas mm-hmm. shouldn't go in the first place. They need to be screened heavily before they go over. Yeah, well, they're sending chunks of people. I mean, they can't well, possibly they, put all the money into screening. I mean, it's bad enough. That they're that the money okay, is, but you're going to spend money on the back. Here's the yeah. problem, though. You spend oh, money yeah. on the you're back. You're exactly end. right. You spend it on the front. You, or yeah, the, back. You, so the money's being it. spent. Right. It's being spent after the fact rather than the source. I, I guess I can tell you this. I was three deployments in when I actually got a random call. I want to say this was '09 or 2010 from someone, and it was a doctor, and. Just wanted to check how I was doing. It was just a random call over the phone, and I'm sure they had to check a box about me because I had done a number of deployments, you know, in a row, you know, yeah. together, a number of operations. And right. so they were calling. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm like, I'm thinking, why the hell are you calling me? Like, now, given all the stuff that I've already been through, and now you just wait to call me now. Now, this was after two or three deployments? Yes. 
And it was a so random they were checking to see if you were if yes, you were breaking checking down. Checking to see if yes, checking to see if I was okay. What's funny is they could call you and just say, you know, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Inside you could be like tearing apart and oh my, I'm fine, really, I'm fine. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm saying about um, people that it's already that it's already there. Even with even with our Saudis now, what we're now what we may deal with with this, we may get some backlash from civilians, and and what I mean backlash is you know violation of rights, mm-hmm. you know all those things. People may start looking at you know what the Japanese went through in the forties. They may start looking at uh, what Muslims went through after September eleventh. So this is going to be really interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to find out. Um, what the FBI finds out, because now every all their activities have been suspended pending this investigation for the FBI. No, this guy, this guy in Pennsylvania. Wait, doesn't NCIS isn't that their jurisdiction when this? Stuff no, happens? this is FBI. Oh, this so is here's the thing. The FBI. No, here's the thing with this, so that uh, so that our listeners know. Okay, FBI handles all domestic uh, investigations. They are in charge of everything, and then they parcel it out. So no, NCIS is not in charge. They'll use, they'll utilize NCIS, but NCIS will not be in charge. So of now this guy in in Pensacola, did he take his own life, or was he was he shot by by military? I believe. Uh, who's got a phone now? Let's see. No, no, no. I mean, do we know or not? I, I believe he know. was shot. And, he was shot and killed. Because I'm not hearing anything about him going to a, tr- a trial date or anything. So I was thinking. There will be no. Yeah, there will be no trial. I'm sorry. Okay. Did he take his own life, or that's he's what I was asking? Either, uh, well, I thought you were asking for clarification. He either took his own life, or he was shot by the police. So he was. Yeah, he was killed. Um, but is he killed by military? Yeah, he was killed on the base. Yeah. yeah, they killed him, or he killed him. No, they killed him. Okay, they killed him. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, I, I want to so know if wanna, they. So go ahead and ask that okay. question. All right, we got five more minutes, and then we can go to break. So let's keep All this right. tight. All right. So this, this guy in in Florida, did he did he kill himself, or did did they did they no, kill him was, on base? Or? No, he was killed on base. He was killed. He was yes. so he was killed. Was he killed, killed in a shootout? Or? Yes, he, yes was. he was. Okay, so he so he fought and then got killed in, in the yes. shootout. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So we've covered a couple of big topics tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad we're we're addressing this. Yeah, and it's you ongoing. Know? And, you, you know, know, and it's ongoing. And so you know, like I said, be looking for this and be paying attention to you know, how the common person is going to react to this. Because now some people, like I said, could look at this as a violation of rights. Violation it's almost like you're, you're worried rights. about moles within right. the military bases now. Right. That's, and yeah, you know, that's how the they've infiltrated you know, our military bases, because that used to be the sanctuary. You knew that was rock solid. That was steel. That with anything, I have what I call the 5% rule. So I think the people that are doing this, you know, that are or have infiltrated, it's the 5% that are doing it but 95 percent of the folks you know and i've worked with plenty of foreign nationals you know are good mm-hmm. have been good people over the years you know it's just like anything you go into a bar right and there's always one a-hole or a couple a-holes in a bar mostly everybody's good mostly everybody gets along right but you have the few right. that do something and what do you remember when you leave that bar what do you remember? The, you remember the yes, jerks. You remember yeah. the jerks or whatever. Right. So, you know, I'm saying all this because I want to add a balance to everything and the, you know, and the things that I've seen myself over the years. But we do have to be careful because this does exist. And there are there are people from other countries that love America and want to serve America, and they do a great job in the military. Plenty, plenty. Yes. But then you got the bad apple. Right. And- you have the bad apple, and so we have to be careful. And so, you know, the country has to do its due diligence on this. And, you know, and we'll just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well said. Okay. All right. So I think we want to have a, listen to a word from our sponsor, one of our sponsors right now. Yeah, and let's then take we'll a little be break and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Woo. Okay. So the holidays are upon us now. And, and I got yes, a couple. they are. Yeah. And I, I know I've got a friend that's trying to frantically put together a uh, kind of a Christmas party uh, out in the East County. Now, I know that uh, you guys know uh, a way of putting together parties, and I'm, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to ask you point blank because I'm going to hand it off to him and then just let him maybe contact you or something. But, I mean, how would he go about like, just planning out a Christmas party in like a week and a week and a half or so? Wow, Jack, you put me on the spot. So you know what? I better go to the expert. <laughs> yeah, that would be Robin with a Y. That would be Robin with a Y. <laughs> Hello. Okay. What do we know about this? Well, so if you're need, in need of a bartender, mm-hmm. um, I highly recommend Bar None. 
Bar none. is a bartending company here in San Diego and covers all of Southern California. And uh, Now, when you say Southern California, you mean from Santa Barbara down or from L.A. down? No, I mean from San Diego County. Like oh, Oceanside. San Diego County. Okay, well, yes. Southern California is L.A. So right, well, that's true. But, but now, now the bartenders, are they... Are they um, are they licensed they're bartenders? They're licensed bartenders. Okay. All of my bartenders are licensed. And, uh, are they insured? They are. If uh, if somebody wants insurance, it can be obtained Excellent. for the event. Excellent. Absolutely. And now do you guys do the rest of the planning? Do you do like you know the whole festivity, or do you just plan the bar we part of it? We primarily plan the bar of it, but our sister company, Demi's Creations, can uh-huh. do small boutique catering for the for the event as so well. So that would be the food end of it. So Correct. so between the two, yes. a, a whole party can be put together and Absolutely. then somebody could just put up streamers and that kind of thing and just kind of make it festive. Exactly. But between the two working in concert, yes. they they could turn around and, and have a have Pull a Pull together a party just like and, that. And then boom. You just, Absolutely. You're a tip jar away from getting the party started. Exactly. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. And there you have it. Bar none. Bar none. Now what's the number? How would somebody contact Bar none? Bar None can be reached at 619-952-9414, or you can email at bar, B-A-R, none, N-O-N-E-S-D for San Diego, so bar none, S-D, at Gmail. At Gmail. Okay, give the number one more time. Let's make sure they have it. 619-952-9414. Bar None. And there you go, San Diego's finest independent... Licensed bartenders and and the catering they can handle the catering part yes. of it too they can put it Absolutely. all together. Well, I tell you what, I you know I he might uh, this might be a good way for him to just get out from under because he's freaking out. Okay, so we've got a solution. Thank you. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Now, guys, can you tell me what segment we have right now? Go for the it, truth is alien. That's yes. right. Well, actually, our visitors are not coming from another planet, but from across the Pacific in China. Now, this article I picked up today is from uh, Yahoo News, and it's, check this out, and this is not made up. Pig-monkey hybrids are born alive in China in world first. Now, let me just explain. Pig-monkey hybrids? Yes. So, basically, it's just something in Greek mythology called the chimera, which is an amalgamation of different things. Now, in the United States, we have laws against doing certain genetic engineering because of the ethical considerations. But people are learning to uh, get around that by doing it in other countries where the laws are more lax. For example, in South Korea, you could actually clone your dead dog. You just have to pay like 50 grand. But uh, I'm getting off track here. It's, now, called, it's called the play God rule. <laughs> yes. And we have four Jurassic Park movies, or five, I lost track, that say that's not a good idea. Is it, is it just me, or does, do they always just leave the door open? There's like 17. I know, but they just leave the door open and then they get out. I mean, it's the same premise over and over. How'd they get out? Somebody left the door open. I've well, only seen the first one. It was one. Dennis Nedry, the fat guy. Same thing. Did the, right. Uh, but, uh, uh, oh, my God. They got out. Yeah. So, Christian McCaffrey's running. Oh, he's the MVP. Let him run. So how they're doing this is... <laughs> I just realized what you said. So you're probably going to ask, guys, why are they doing this in the first place? Why would you want to inject uh, you know, monkey DNA in a pig? If you guys are aware... Monkey DNA is the closest uh, to human DNA. It's only about ninety eight percent. So for that two percent makes a huge difference. You know, opposing thumbs. Yes, yeah. big difference. That's about it. But yeah. the idea is this is a step towards you know create uh, human organ transplants. Now they're already doing this with with mice in genetic labs, for example, like doing cosmetic stuff like growing ears or noses, but not whole appendages or whole organs. Now the idea is if they can ta- perfect the technique correctly. We can actually have, like, human hearts, lungs, livers, you name it, being grown inside animals, and they could be, you know, harvested for or for transplants or whatnot. For I, I just saw this la- two nights ago on 60 Minutes. They were talking about the fact that they could, they could actually get this from pigs. Yes. My and, father and, has a pig aorta. Right, and, but, and they have pig valves they use for hearts. Yep. But they're saying that now they're using, instead of DNA, they're using RNA to be able to manufacture hearts that would be able to literally replace and almost reverse the aging process because the heart would be a heart of someone like 20 and you'd be able to do anything a 20 year old can do and your circulation would be up your, your like, heart would be like that your mind would be like that and your body would be like hell no no no, no. they're saying they're saying they, they're messing with the rna and they're actually getting to a point where they're literally going to be able to slow down the aging process to the point so you're on to something there yeah. paco to quote jeff goldblum they never stop to think if they should so this is where i feel the ethical considerations should be taking into place because we start doing uh, do this on a, on a bigger scale 
then it leads to the question of, you've heard of uh, transhumanism? Transhumanism? Yes, you have? Yes, yes in I science have. fiction circles or speculative fiction, it's, a old, it's an older concept, but it's, getting, it's gaining ground. And we're already starting to see that with, you know, the way we, uh, our younger people are handling technology. So we got phones now here, and probably 10, maybe 15 years or even sooner, they're going to be embedded in us. So what I'm trying to say is here, now you're going to start messing with or putting human DNA with that of animals. Then you're going to start to feel like what's human and what's not. Mm-hmm. That's the, the what, hybrid of it all. Exactly. Right. The hybridization. Now, it's hard enough to, you know, just, just to be a straight heterosexual person in the 21st century. Now you're going to start thinking like, oh, my son's a dolphin now. <laughs> yeah. That's a scary thought. Don't you think, guys? Very, very interesting. No, I do think, Paco, that you were on something. That's, a, that's hey, drawing a line here. I was a fan of Flipper. <laughs> All right. All right. So I think with that. That is very, that is very interesting. That, that, that's a good I think with the piece. Flipper comment, we are definitely going to move on now. Yeah, but Paco, the, uh, please stay Please stay on top of this. Yeah, this no, is, I will. This That's is fascinating. And, that is and at really some point, we need to revisit this and really get into some of the ethics. I think we should do a whole episode about this. This is what's going to define the, the 21st well, century. Know, Brave New World. The book Brave New World. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Like the de- like the, we're talking about the dismantling of our of, of the way we live and how we garden, or govern ourselves. Because people might think that it's liberating, but think of something else. Right. Why are they doing this? Because they want to make us not human anymore. We're just going to be another commodity. All right. We're going to leave it right there. Because I know somewhere, somewhere out there, the truth is alien. And also somewhere, H.G. Wells is saying, I told you so. I told you so. (laughs) Yes. It's like that poster I have at my house, you know, with the earth is flat. (laughs) I told you so. (laughs) So... I don't know who knows this, but mm. we have got two authors here who in would that be? our company. Who would that be? Well, well, so we've got Corey Ramsey, yeah. who has written and published six books thus far and is working on a seventh. And we have got Jack Vecchio. And I just finished my first book, and now I'm going to read another one. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you going to give us our your critical analysis of green eggs and ham? <laughs> yeah, really. So, no, so, Jack so what is... we're going to do is we'll we'll cover we'll cover ask anything you want, but we'll, well, you have to cover the her, details. You actually have to let her talk. Yeah, yeah. Since this is her segment, right? So, um, <laughs> so uh, Jack has just finished his first book, and so I wanted to ask him a few questions about it. Okay. What is the title of your book? True Confessions of a Limo Driver. And what is that based on? It's based on actual stories of things that had happened while I was driving limo or limo buses. And and nobody is identified. Nobody is clarified. But the stories are the stories. And I ended up to be somewhat of a lightning rod for the most outrageous, magnificent, ridiculous, (laughs) over-the-top stories to the point where guys that had been driving limo for 20 and 25 years were like, none of that stuff ever happens in my car. How did that happen? And they would hear these stories and they thought, okay, it must be rumor. Or it must." Be. And I'm like, exactly that. I couldn't possibly make it up. Right. I thought the job was just going to consist of driving people from home to dinner and back and simple. I had no idea the dimension of what I had stepped into. And I was, I was in the deep end of the pool before I knew it. And people still contact me and want to find out other things that, are, and literally thousands of things have happened. And what I did was I condensed it to twenty stories in this first book, okay. and then um, we're gonna we're gonna put together uh, a second one again, twenty chapters. And it's very interesting what people do with the anonymity of tinted windows. Oh, I'm sure it's, it sounds like there's some <laughs> saucy stuff going on. It, it, you know, uh-huh. it's it's pretty awesome. I, I actually I let Corey read it, and you know, and if I can interject for just one sentence here or two. Me. <laughs> I'm going to say that it was fascinating. It was a page turner. I want to read this. Book. I was really interested with what I uh, with what I was reading. So, folks out there, I actually had the original manuscript. That's true. And very interesting when Jack gave it to me. You better sign it. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Coming from you, I really appreciate that. So from what I understand, is it's in editing right now and will be released Um, shortly thereafter? Probably six weeks. Okay. Probably six weeks. And uh, my nephew, Michael, is going to be doing the graphics on the cover. And we've got that all planned out. And then I'm going to do some dedication and stuff on the back. And there's certain people uh, that, frankly, without which... 
the book, I mean, my wife especially. <laughs> I mean, you know, she was negotiating. Because here's the interesting thing. Um, and and I, I know I told you this. The whole book is written in one draft. And I haven't even read it. And you, since there's three of us here and the people listening, they don't know. Okay. I literally sat down like like today. I got up. I had breakfast. Uh-huh. I worked out. I did some chores. I, I ran errands. And it's like I sat down at the computer and I typed. I woke up, had breakfast, worked out. And, and I literally just, from my brain, from what happened to my fingers, I just spelled it out. And I haven't even reread it. I just turned it in for editing, and if there are any typos or whatever, that's. But it's a one draft thing, and it's chapter after chapter, story after story, and I didn't have to compose any chronology right. or anything. Sounds great. And each chapter stands alone. And there you go, folks. Awesome. There's a writing tip. So when you write, don't read it again. <laughs> just write it. What the hell? Because I knew right. what I was. I knew what I was talking about. I just wrote it all. All right. So next, we're going to ask Corey a couple questions. So tell me, what is the latest book that you've published? Tales of the Unexpected, Volume Two. <gasps> the crowd goes nuts. The crowd goes nuts and doing the wave. Excellent. So how many stories are in this book? Fourteen plus one. Outstanding. So you got 15 books and 15 uh, stories. 15 stories all total. Great. 15 books someday. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, what is your favorite story in the book? Without a doubt, The Girl Around Town. The Girl Around Town. Can you give us a 30-second synopsis of the story? 30-second synopsis. You have... What, the, what is the synopsis of the story? So it deals with a detective who's obsessed by a disappearance of a high school gal. And he won't let it go, but the town has moved on, but the detective has not. Mm. Now, there are reasons why that he hasn't let it go, and there are also reasons why that the town has moved on. Okay. All right, so we just have to read it to find out. There's a lot of twists and turns with this story, so there's not a whole lot that I can say, but believe me, you will be very pleased when you read this story. Excellent. I, I know my wife loves your books. I mean, she loves your books. They're I pretty mean, riveting. Yeah. 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 I mean, and you know, you're you're a true writer, man. You're really good, apparently. All right. Well, this is great. Great little uh, quick quick little questions with the authors. Little author chat going on right here. We'll have to do a signing together. Yes, we will. <laughs> yes, we will. I can't wait for the hardcover edition. <laughs> yes, we're going to be in com- we're going to be at Comic-Con one of these days. Oh yeah. Well, one of these days soon actually. Yeah, that, that very soon, maybe next year. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, you know okay. what? While we're on entertainment, uh, Jack, you let's talk about a movie that you and I just watched. Oh, The Irishman. Right. The Irishman. The Irishman. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And now, now now is it is it just my imagination or is it like a month long? I think it was a month and a half. <laughs> I have to admit. I now, mean, now, now I I think and this might be not be very popular with some of the listeners, but I think although a very well-made movie overall, I would give it like an eight and a half out of ten. First of all, that's you know I give an eighty-five on Rotten Tomatoes if I was voting. <laughs> that's but generous. I, yeah, it I mean, is. I well, I think I think a lot of effort was made, but it is it is complete proof that you don't give any director a blank check. And the the budget was supposed to be right around a hundred million, and once they got a hundred million in, they weren't near done. So they the budget ended up to be one hundred and sixty million. Now I look at a movie at one hundred and sixty million with a critical eye, as I looked at Waterworld with Kevin Costner. If you're spending two hundred million dollars on a movie, it better be right. And there were mistakes in this movie. There were there was a continuity mistake that. Um, uh, there was a scene where De Niro walks out of a meeting with Pacino as Pacino's yelling at the attorneys and and they have a they have a shot a two shot over each other's shoulder back and forth as they're talking and in one shot over the shoulder De Niro's collar is clearly up around the neck and when you'd reverse it around over Pacino's shoulder the collar is down and every time they did line to line the collar was up the collar was down the collar was up the problem is it's a shot in which the whole frame is shoulders and head so the collar takes up like ten or fifteen percent of the screen. 
editing. So that's and an I editing thought, problem, right? That, that, no, that, that's, that's a continuity that's problem. A continuity problem. There's right, a person that gets paid about five grand a week on set. Script to supervisor, make sh- right? To, no, that's a continuity person. That's their job. Script supervisor deals with dialogue. Continuity deals with, if you look at your watch and you say, oh my God, it's two o'clock, we better get going. And you run by a clock that says it's noon. That's a continuity issue. Now, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong. Continuity is and also continuity Polaroids, right? Like they take a shot that how would they look and then the next day they got to match that. Exactly. And 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 frankly, you know, I, I told you this story. A very first movie I ever worked on was about the McDonald's San Ysidro shooting. Yeah. And and they had they shot up the restaurant and everything and, and there was glass everywhere. And then we went to lunch. And it was the first movie I'd ever worked on. And I couldn't get a table outside and a seat. And so I went and cleared off a bunch of glass off one of the tables at the restaurant. And, and I even threw, even threw the, the sign that said hot set off because I didn't know what that meant. And me and my buddy were just sitting there eating in one of the booths. And yeah, that's a continuity mistake because then they had to take all the Polaroids and lay them out and put the glass back where it was oh so that it would gosh. match. So, so so there were continuity mistakes so in let this me tell Irish, you, in so, the Irishman. And that's what jumped out to you. What jumped out to me was the casting of Jimmy Hoffa. Thank you. Me too. All right. I mean, I, I mean, look, I love, who doesn't love Al Pacino? Yeah. I love All Al right. Pacino. I respect Al Pacino. But did you get him as Jimmy Hoffa? Because I'll tell you, I went back and looked at clips of Jimmy Hoffa on YouTube. I didn't see it. I think, I, I think Scorsese it. made the same mistake casting Al Pacino without the Chicago accent as he did when he casted Ray Liotta as Henry Hill in Goodfellas. Oh, that's a good one. Because yeah, when they started good Goodfellas, they got started, Ray Liotta's from Chicago, right. and they start the movie, ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a gangster. And I'm like, that's Chicago. That's not Henry Hill from Brooklyn. And then you got Al Pacino, who sounds like he's from the Upper West Side right. of Manhattan, not Chicago at all. And instead of doing that, that big scene he has where he says, if you got gas today... That gas got there because a truck brought it. And I'm like, that is so New York, the way he's speaking. And instead, he should be like, if you got gas today, that gas got there because a truck brought it there to you. That's how it got there. That's a Chicago accent. There's a huge difference in the two accents. And and you can't turn around and, and say, okay, we're hiring Al Pacino. I mean, A-list, top of the A-list, Academy Award winner, actor, and not have him go in with the Chicago accent that Jimmy Hoffa has and sound like him. All the more reason why that he should not have been cast in that role. I mean, it, to me, it was the equivalent of Tom Hanks if he had done it as a Brooklyn accent, as, as uh, Mr. Rogers. I mean, you gotta <laughs> match. You got to match the character. This is a real person. So here's a quick question for you, Jack. Who would you have cast as Jimmy Hoffa? You know, um, there's a guy that was in Fever Pitch in 2004 who was uh, from the Massachusetts area, but he had that very Chicago way about him. And he always said, hey, this team is going to break you hot, kid. I think that guy, kind of kind of a robust, but he's a short guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Hoffa was, definitely had Napoleon syndrome. He had yes, short man syndrome, no doubt about it. But he had a lot of power. Right. But, but you had to embody the fact that you had to match who Hoffa was. And anyone that ever heard Hoffa knows that Pacino... And the other thing is, they had that scene where Pacino's yelling at his um, attorneys in the in the, his office, right. and, and De Niro walks out because he doesn't want to be yelled at any further. Right. But as an actor, I recognized very quickly that Pacino forgot his lines, and he began Don't. improvising. That scene, he got to the point where he ran out of things to improvise, and he sits there and he goes, Ah! Oh! <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, why didn't they just, for 160 million, just shoot it with the, with the lines that were written? Instead, he tried to improvise it, and he got lost, and he began stuttering and stammering, and, and he couldn't think of who he wanted to yell at. Th- that scene was supposed to be targeted at certain guys, and he was supposed to humiliate them individually. And De Niro figured he was on that list, and that's why he leaves the room. And instead, they just slopped it together and let him walk out, and then they covered the scene outside. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. They, they got lazy at a critical time when when Pacino's character is supposed to be infuriated with those that have been hired to protect him. And legally. I couldn't take him seriously when he was infuriated. No. When he no, because he yelling. forgot the lines. Yeah, I, oh, I'll have I mean, to check that and out. And I, I checked it. I double checked it. Oh, I believe I, you. I, he I absolutely, just he absolutely lost it. track of the script. And then and Scorsese let him just go with it. And I, I don't know that they, they couldn't have been 
going over budget because they were they were sixty percent over budget. So would it be safe to say? Because I think this, but I'm going to ask you the question: Would it be safe to say that this was a great director that was indulgent, that was indulging in? I think it was. A, I think it was a great director. I think it was a great director who was being indulged by oh, Netflix. Okay. And and by the studios, I think. And here's the other problem: the Golden Globes came out, and De Niro was quote unquote snubbed. I think part of that problem is Scorsese's production company and De Niro's production company worked together in um, producing The Irishman. So the budget gets to 100 million, and they're like, huh, "What are you going to do? Stop us? You're going to throw away 100 million? No, you're going now. We're in business together. You're going to keep throwing money at this." And their production companies were profiting. And I think they looked at it like, okay, you made enough on this. You don't need any awards. You know what I find fascinating about this is that you you give this uh, an eight, and some of the very things that you're talk that we're talking about this movie, The Irishman, mm -hmm. are the same things that you brought up about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and I had really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I felt, and you felt also, that that was Tarantino sort of indulging. Yeah, here you have a great director who has an unlimited budget and can pretty much has, has carte blanche to do whatever he wants. Right. And I think that was the same with Scorsese. Yeah, once once Tarantino locked up uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and then you know and then furnished him with everybody else, right. he pretty much had the studio by the short ones. You know, I mean that's the truth. I mean, you know, so you're in a position where the studio is like you, you've got a gun to their head. Because what are they going to do? They're not going to say no to DiCaprio and Pitt. They're going to let you do whatever the heck you want to do. I'll tell you what I liked the most about The Irishman, and that was our friend Tony. Yeah, Tony. Yes. That was in there. Tony, 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 man, he really pulled that prison guard thing. Yes. I mean, he's walking you out. You're going to leave, you know? <laughs> I mean, but, but it also, now Tony is um, about my size. Right. And you see him in comparison to... To Al Pacino. Yeah, Pacino was so tiny. Yeah, He's like Pacino, my size. Yeah, Pacino can't get on most of the rides at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> and right. now that now that eliminates any possibility of us having Al Pacino as a guest. Exactly. All right. We love you, Al. Hey, before we go, guys, I had uh, before we go to the next segment, I have to ask you, Jack. So when you see these movies, do they often get the accents wrong all the time? Because I didn't, I couldn't tell. You know what you mentioned about Ray Liotta. When I when I've auditioned for a period piece or a period piece in a certain location, even if it's Idaho, I make sure I understand what the accent is for Nebraska or for Maine or for for Florida. I make sure I get it. And if you don't get it, you're not going to be able to pull it off because you really got to you really got to kind of morph into that. And if if the guy is known for being from Chicago, if it's Whitey Bulger yeah. playing in um, the uh, Departed, Departed, yeah, you can't turn around and pull that character off and be a Southie without the accent. It's not going to work. No, of course not. But but you can't be Jimmy Hoffa, who is world known for being from Chicago. And have kind of a New York slang to you. It's not. It doesn't work that way. And you're not gonna. You're not gonna get a pass. You're not gonna get a, a mulligan for right. it. But I'll tell you, the size and the girth and everything. I would have cast you as Hoffa. I think you would have made it. Yeah, I could. Yeah. I could have pulled off that I accent. Think, and I, done it. I do. But was I'm too Hoffa tall. tall? Yeah. Okay. He's a short guy. But I think you. But you can work around that though. You yeah, can work around. Yeah, yeah, you can work around the uh, the height. Yeah. But I'll I, tell you I, what. I got. I got easily a hundred phone calls from people when uh, the Green Book came out. Okay. And everybody was like, oh my God, you should have been the driver. Mm -hmm. You would have been the perfect. And I said, I kept telling people over and over, Vigo was cast when they got their budget. Then they brought in, they brought in the, 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 the pianist, yes. but, but he was cast and they went forward with him first. And I said, there's no chance they were going to audition anybody else. But I think if there was an open call or if they were bringing people in, I think I would have had a real shot for that part because that would have been a great, I would have loved that movie. Well, that if I great. ever decide to shoot a, a Hoffa movie, I'm going to cast you. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. I appreciate All right. that. All right. So, so let's move along to sports. Let's go to sports. Go to I know sports. quickly we'll spend they, a couple minutes on the New England Patriots. Okay. So the New, the New England Patriots have gotten caught again with Bill Belichick. All right. They got caught filming a 1 in 12 team mm -hmm. giving their signals from the sideline That's while they correct. shot from video and they're claiming they had no idea what they were doing. Belich Belichick is saying, "Oh, I didn't have any idea what they were doing up there. We had no control of it. 
But the Patriots organization has taken full responsibility. And I don't know that there's any penalty strong enough at this point because now there's a history of this. And I told you once before, Tom Brady will get into the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a first ballot. Because this scandal, this behavior has gone on since 2001. And it won't mean a thing. You think it won't mean? You it think it'll be a first ballot? Yeah, he'll be a first ballot. I'll be eating a crow sandwich because, if you're right. because they're goats. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brady is the goat. And yeah, Belichick but is he the, is the goat, goat because they cheated or is he the goat because of talent? No, he's now the goat. Now you always have to wonder. No, he's no. the goat because of talent. Yeah. Well, in 2001, the they, won the, they won the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then there was. The the fact that they had recorded the Rams. That's not true. That's not true. If you were gonna if you were gonna be on air and talk about the Patriots, then you must must be accurate. Do tell. That had nothing to do. You don't even know. They they recorded their practices. That no one here sitting at this table really knows what Spygate was all about. Spygate was about the Jets practice. The Jets. They were recording in 07, the Jets. There was no filming. There was no filming of the Rams walkthrough or their practice. That's not even what Spygate was about. No, Spygate was in 07. That was with the Jets. In 2001, it came out after the Super Bowl. The story was retracted, Jack. Oh, it was? Yes. The story was was retracted. Okay, the writer who was from Boston Mm -hmm. had to come and apologize because his sources lied to him. Okay, then then we'll let that go. Then it doesn't yes. go back to that We've far. Gotta let but that it go. does go back to 2007, we can say at least. But that they filmed practices, yes. Yeah. Yes. Now why why, since they just lost to the Chiefs, would they need to film a one in twelve Bengals team that doesn't stand a chance in heck? Well that of that supports what they're saying. That supports that well, we didn't know. We weren't there to film the freaking But the them. film the they film were... crews now this has been verified by the NFL. They weren't filming the game that everybody's watching. They were filming how the signals were coming in from the sidelines. They were filming the sidelines and they were, they were getting the indicators as to what formations were what signals. So that, I mean, this is a one in 12 team. Okay. I mean, why would they be, unless, unless their ego Kansas. is such that they don't want to take a chance on losing to a one in 12 team or even it being close, or they want to go in there and just crush them to say, we're here, no, we're back. I, I think that this is just who Belichick is. And I think he's just going to, push the rules and i think everyone does it but rules don't have a gray area rules rules have a black and white area well here's the okay, line spygate that's not line. true because spygate certainly had a gray area and the problem with belichick and where i don't give him a pass is that he was warned to move the camera so spygate was all about the cameras were in the wrong spot now wait a second and if they, they were sent the wrong... him a letter that uh the nfl sent him a letter twice and he ignored it Okay, and that's why he was fined five hundred thousand dollars and a first round draft pick. So I mean, so and then his contract came up, and Robert Kraft gave him his contract and a five hundred thousand dollar bonus. No, no. I mean, I mean, that was so obvious that Kraft was finding a way to pay his fine. Here's the thing: I'm not really going to defend in terms of what they've done in the past. They certainly have done things, and they have pushed the envelope. But they are still great. And the same way that I stand firm on someone like Barry Bonds, and I say that Barry Bonds was great and would have been great without the steroids, I say that about the Patriots. I don't think Barry Bonds would have been as great. Mm. I mean, it got to a point where I watched a game between uh, San Francisco and Arizona. Bases loaded, Barry Bonds comes up, and Arizona has a two-run lead. And they walk Barry Bonds with the bases loaded so as because he's so steroid out, they don't want to take a chance on hitting him in a grand slam. Got and they it. go after the next batter. Yeah, that's respect. But his hand-eye coordination was so optimum at that Here's point. the thing about New England. So if the cheating were all that great and if it was really working, they still lost three Super Bowls. And here's the, and here's the reality of the situation is that if not for the stupidity of Pete Carroll, they wouldn't have won that one. Well, the remember Patriots against lost, the Seahawks? The Patriots have lost five, haven't they? No, I'm talking about in the Belichick era. Yeah, in the Belichick-Brady era, they oh, lost three. They lost three, six. right. And, they lost and so two what I'm four. saying is, is that they would have certainly, certainly have lost against the Seahawks. Had Carroll, you know, not lost Gone his Gone with brain. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, okay, yeah. so then there's that. And then you also have to go to the Falcons. There was no cheating involved. You're... Uh, down twenty eight to three. Yeah, no excuse. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So come on. Yeah, that's I mean, that's management. They do dumb stuff. Look, the Patriots do stupid stuff, and as a fan, 
I'm saying to myself, why do you have to do this, Belichick? Like, just knock it off. Now, I have to say that this week, I enjoyed watching the Patriots get the short end of the stick on some calls. That uh, touchdown at the end oh of the game. Oh, my God. I mean, he was. But I, I tell you what, in real time, it looked like he stepped out. It and did, I understand, but, but they were out of challenges, yes. and he was in. He was in by a full inch, yes. and that was a piece of athleticism like you'll hardly right. ever see. But that was full, fantastic. But, a, but fantastic. a full. But you know what? A full inch. Here's the thing: as a big time Patriots fan, I'm not saying anything about the refs. They lost. My attitude was, and this is what I told Robin with a Y: play better. That's my attitude. You lost, and that's what Brady said. Brady yeah. said, "We're not blaming the refs. I, I'm, I you know? don't even want to get into the refs. Their, they mismanaged their challenges. Yeah. They got cute on one of the challenges that really would have been valuable at the end there for a touchdown. I have no patience um, talking about the refs as a, as a sports fan. Just play better. All right, so yeah. and you're always going to get a bad call. Ask the '98 Padres. It was a well, strike. I mean, look, Tino Martinez. Just, uh, I mean, that was a strike. Look, I've seen the Patriots get plenty of calls, so I'm not going to sit oh. here. They've gotten I'm calls gonna, they shouldn't yeah. have gotten. So I'm sure. not going to sit here and say anything, uh, right. anything about okay, it. Okay, so let's see. How we do last week? All right, so... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. At the end of the week, Corey got eight. Jack got eight. And Robin with a Y got ten. And I just want to say... Go with the gut. I just want to say I got some feedback here that people say that they really like our content of the other stuff, but we take too long with the picks. Okay, and I've so heard gonna, that. And I've heard that it. for more than one. Person. We're gonna blow through it. So, so what are the games? Right. Let's blow. So, we, got a, we got a Jets Ravens game on Thursday. We do. That's you the know. first and, one. And now who's leading? Jets at Ravens. Who's leading? Who's oh leading? my goodness! What's the total? So Corey's the leading. Corey seven seventy three. Jack fifty eight. That's your age, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm bad. All my right. Age. Good. Nice. <laughs> all right. So let's all right, let's got? roll through this. All right. Jets at Ravens. So you go first since you're okay. I'm taking Ravens. Ravens. Best team in the I NFL. I can't believe you. You have to take the Ravens the against the NFL Jets right now. in Baltimore? Yeah. You do. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me. All right. <laughs> okay. Bears at Packers. By the way, I picked the Ravens also. You did? Yes. Okay. I already right. picked my picks. Bears sneaky good, Sneaky good game. I'm still going to pick the Packers. I'm going to go with the Bears. Ooh. I love it yeah, when you guys My Bears train has shown up. I, I picked the Packers. Okay. All right. Bills at Steelers. Bills at Steelers. This Ooh, is another very good game. This is a tricky game. The Bills really need this. The Steelers are, they have major momentum. And I'm going to tell you this. Coach of the year? Tomlin. Mike, Mike Tomlin. Oh, yes. Mike Tomlin. He so you really know what? turned it around. I'm going to go with, I'm actually going to go with the Steelers on this. I'll take the Bills. I'm going to go with the Steelers with an upset. Because the Bills, if they win out, they win the division. And I picked the Bills also. You took the Bills? Me yes, and Robin did. with a Y. Producer Patriots at Bengals. Okay. So I've been picking against the Patriots, but I mean, give me a break. So I'll pick this, you know, have the film crew ready. <laughs> so it should, be, it should be plenty. Patriots? Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah, we're both going to figure the Patriots. Yeah. This they're going the to cheat, cheat their yeah. way to a victory. The Bengals, the Bengals did there beat a go. very good team this year, but no. All right. Okay. And if they lose, the and you know what? If they lose this, if they lose this game, after filming the practices or whatever the hell they did, yeah, whatever, whatever the they might have they done. Oh, no, they suck okay, again. Then, now, let uh, me tell you something else yeah. that, that we didn't point out. The and other division go. leaders have all beaten the Patriots this year. Yes. Right. They've all be- the Patriots have lost to every other division leader. That has been their three losses. That's their three losses yep. to everybody leading the division. I, I don't. Okay. Again, they're not as good. Yeah, they're not I don't as, need to I hear this. I've okay. You were right. You I'm, I'm giving you props. Okay. okay you were so right. I chose the Patriots also. Okay. So Seahawks at Panthers. Seahawks. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Seahawks too. I did go too. Bills back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Texans at Titans. Now there's a game. This yes. is a great game. Titans are on a roll. I'm going with the Titans. And they're I'm the gonna, home team. I'm going to take Texans. Oh, yes. Texans. I, I picked the Titans. You take the Titans. Titans. Okay. And you said Texans, Jack? I got the Texans, okay. yeah. Okay. All right, Dolphins. Let me say this quickly about the Titans. Watch them, because they can beat anybody. Yes, they can beat anybody in the I agree. AFC. I think they can beat anybody in the yes. AFC on any given Sunday. Yes, they're they're the truth of the matter. I mean, yes. they, them and the Colts oddly seem to all of a sudden spike here and there. Mm-hmm. All right, Dolphins at Giants. Oh boy, there is a game. <laughs> Let's spend ten minutes no, no, breaking no, no, down no, no, the no. game in the film. I know who I got in this one. Me too. I know who I got in this one. I think Robin with a Y and I are on the same page. You pick. I'm going to go with the Giants. <gasps> Me too. Me too. Go! Because Eli 
Yeah. Yes, he showed he showed some serious heart last yeah. night. Still um, hot steaming garbage, but yes. But but yes. yeah, but I mean, you know, I, that was really Eli of old. All right. All right. Eagles at Redskins. Eagles at Deadskins. Eagles all the way. Yes. Yeah, I got to go with Philadelphia. I did too. Philadelphia. Oh, stop it. They're going to roll. It. They're going to roll this game. Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, I'll go with the Chiefs. I was thinking about the Broncos, and I'm thinking, you know what? They, they're just not that good. I picked the Chiefs also. <laughs> but you know, they might have a quarterback. It's playoff time right yeah, now. Yeah, they might have a quarterback. Buccaneers right. at Lions. Buccaneers sounds like a cuss. I'm going with the I'm going with the Bucks. I'm telling you with that offense. Look at them. Give me the Lions. All right. I feel like I'm in Vegas. Give me the Lions. Here's my money. I take the Bucks. Got the Bucks. Browns at Cardinals. Well, there's another snooze oh, that, fest. No, actually, actually, <laughs> no. Snooze fest. No, because it depends on which Browns team shows up, and it depends on what Cardinals team uh, shows I'm, up. I'm going with the Browns. Me too. Cardinals aren't very good. They're not. Are very they good. at the Cardinals? They are. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah. All right. At the Cardinals. Jaguars at Raiders. Oh, Jags boy. at Jags at Raiders. Two teams circling the drain. Yeah. So, I'm going to go with the Raiders. At the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders the at home. Yeah. Same. Best I did the same thing. That, that is a true home field advantage. Yeah. There. Yep. Okay, Rams at Cowboys. This is when I wasn't sure. This is like a moment. I'm going to decide wow. right now. I know. This could be Jason Garrett's last game as head coach if he loses this. Cowboys have to win that this. That division may be won by a team with a losing record. Yes. And they'll host a playoff game. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, you get to host the playoff game if you Won't win your division. will be the first time. Oh, right, you know what? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. They must win this game. I'm going to go with Yeah, them. give me the Rams. I don't believe in the Cowboys. I don't believe in either team. Okay, so you're going with the Cowboys, and you're going with the Rams. I think think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I hate the Cowboys, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys. It's the holiday. She just loves you. All right. (laughs) Falcons at 49ers. 49ers. Next. Ditto. Yep. I chose the Niners also. Niners. Vikings at Chargers. Devastating. Vikings. Vikings at Chargers? Yeah, at Carson City. But they're in they're in California. That's okay. You know? Well, although they play they play indoors, they play indoors. I'll give me Minnesota also, yeah. Yeah. They play indoors out there, so it's like California. Seventy degrees. You you can never trust Carson City. Right. Okay. Colts at Saints. This is the other game I wasn't sure about. I'm going with the Saints. I haven't been impressed with either team, but I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm not going to bet against Drew Brees this late in the season. I just have to go with the Saints. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with them also. You know, Drew Drew Brees knows how to win at this time. This is this is. I this tend is to it. disagree with that. Yeah, he I mean, just seems an overrated he, he, quarterback. You uh, think he's Drew overrated? Brees. Oh, I love yeah, Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to winning, yeah. I th- you see, and I think he's an overachiever as a quarterback. I don't think I think looking at him on paper, he doesn't look like he has the parts. And he's six foot. I th- I've met him. He's a little under six I've foot. I've met him, yeah. And, and I, I, he just seems to get over that line. He seems to find guys. He seems to know where people are. He seems to know the playbook, and he seems to be able to read defenses. And the way he calls audibles, I, I just – I think Drew Brees is a, is a, a – I think he's an overachiever as a quarterback. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I'm taking the Saints. All right. All right. And that is – those are the games for this That was week. the Monday night game? That was the Monday night mm-hmm. game, yeah. Vikings at Chargers, think, I think, Sunday What did you think night. the over-under was going to be? For what? what for, the, for the Saints and Colts. I'm going to say 45. Saints and Colts, yeah. I think that's going to be a bit of a defensive struggle, so I'm going to say 38. I think we were off on the Monday night game from last week, right? We, 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 yeah, because I think we went for like in the 40s or 50s. Yeah, 45 and 48 <laughs> yeah, last week. Because we, yeah. we thought it was going to be a monster scoring game, yeah. and it turned out to be a tug of war. Okay. Right. <laughs> that is our show for this week. Wait. And I want... You have a <clears throat> yeah yeah oh, okay I'm sorry we and we'll, we'll yeah back. no we'll take it all right and that is our show for tonight 
It's JV to the pros. I do want to um, put out a little uh, memoriam for a friend of ours, uh, mostly a really good friend of my wife's, uh, Scott Sanginetti. Uh, he was the star of a TV show on the History Channel called um, Where the Fagawis. It was a show about a kind of a clumsy, goofy um, biker club in Lake George, New York. And he loved being on that show, and he loved being with this group and he loved the fact that it was filmed in his favorite place in the whole world. But Scott, um, was a friend of mine for years and he was a friend of mine by proxy through my wife, but he was a really good friend of my, my, he was probably my wife, one of my wife's best friends. And, uh, he lost his battle with cancer on, uh, the night before Thanksgiving. And, uh, he is sorely, sorely missed. And, uh, so rest in peace, Scott. And um, we'll always love you. And I know my wife, if she was here, she would want to say a little something. But um, Scott Sanginetti, we do say thank you for everything. And he looked like the jolly version of Santa Claus all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a tribute to him on Facebook today. And uh, he, he just, uh, he, he could have played Santa Claus. He was just this big, roly-poly, jolly biker dude. Mm -hmm. So, Scott, rest in peace. And thanks for letting me have that time to, to say a little something. So I'm Jack Vecchio. And my partner, Corey Ramsey, we're going to be signing off. Signing off here. And so... Fair winds, Scott. That's what we say in the Navy. And so, goodbye from Paco. Hello. Last man standing. Yes. The and Robin. Genius. And Robin with a Y. Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> now, she would be the MVP over Christian McCaffrey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey's right. the MVP. Oh. But who's the MVP now? Mahomes. Oh, it's Lamar you're gonna, Jackson. You're going to cut all this out, right? Okay. <laughs> it's right. Lamar Jackson. Mahomes. As, as we devolve. <laughs> Devolve. No, actually, I was putting it at the end.